You are listening to Venerable Voices, a production of Experience Engaged. Thanks for tuning in. Well, hello there, Venerable Voices community. I wanted to take a moment to give you all a heads up about what to expect out of Venerable Voices programming over the next several weeks. We here at Experience Engaged feel that mental health is such a critical issue to all of us that it merits a deeper dive beyond any singular podcast episode. As a result, we have created a multi-part series highlighting partners of Experience Engaged and community leaders at large who are all taking deliberate steps in support of mental wellness programming, including legislation. We hope you enjoy the series, and here is a a brief forecast. Andrew Stewart will stop by the first episode. Andrew is a longtime friend of Experience Engaged and a PhD candidate in social work at the University of Denver. And he shares his research highlighting the correlation between volunteerism and feelings of increased positivity, increased value, increased purpose, and less isolation. You will also hear from our friends and partners at Spark the Change Colorado. Kelly Groon and Laura Kinder are working together to launch some incredibly innovative programming in support of mental well-being, one of those being their Senior Companion Program, whereby older adults in our community are partnered with other older adults in our community who might be in need of more assistance to feel engaged in their neighborhoods, to navigate changes in the world around them, to feel less isolated, more connected, and increased overall sense of well-being. Next, Dr. Julie Silver Seidel, a community-based occupational therapist out of Fort Collins, stops by Venerable Voices to discuss her role on the Wellness Committee in the one-of-its-kind Partnership for Age-Friendly Communities in Northern Colorado. Their primary objective is to mitigate loneliness through a community collaborative that addresses needs for older adults and meets those needs, yielding an overall sense of increased well-being. We wrap up this series hearing from State House District 30 Representative Daphna Michelson Janae, who has been a champion for mental wellness and programs that support mental wellness. She sponsored recently House Bill 21 1068, which was a first of its kind nationally in law. Put into law in July of this year. It holds insurance companies accountable for providing annual mental wellness checks, really an unprecedented piece of legislation. Overall, I hope you all, the listeners, will feel that this series is incredibly important. It puts the whole concept of mental wellness top of mind, and it encourages all of us to take steps towards improving it. We hope you enjoy. Hello, all you good people. Thanks for joining another episode of Venerable Voices. 
I'm Cindy Kellogg, your host, and an Experience Engaged Fellow. And today we continue our ever important series around mental wellness. Welcoming to the Venerable Voices table, Dr. Julie Silver Seidel, a community-based occupational therapist in Fort Collins, who also happens to be part of an unprecedented one-of-a-kind collaborative partnership for age-friendly communities in Larimer County, whose primary objective is to mobilize communities to identify their needs of their older adult members and then as a collaborative work toward meeting those needs, the outcomes of which are increased sense of well-being, connectedness, decreased loneliness, and overall sense of health and well-being. Dr. Julie hopes that this template will be replicated across the state and one day across the country, increasing overall health and well-being nationwide. Without further ado, my conversation with Dr. Julie Silver Seidel. Well, welcome, Dr. Julie. I love this opportunity to bring you into the Venerable Voices table setting. And as you and I discussed, we are doing a multi-part series on the mental wellness of our collective communities. Mm -hmm. So that being said, I'm really grateful for your time today and really acknowledge the special niche that you've crafted in being a participant on the Northern Colorado Corridor in the area of social isolation and what kinds of things as a community we can do to combat that. So that being said, might we just start with a little bit about your work? Um, yes, thank you. I'm glad to be here. Um, so I'm, um, yes, yeah, so I currently graduated with a PhD at CSU at Colorado State University in Occupational and Rehabilitation Sciences. And part of, of my work was putting together a community-engaged research team. Um, to address issues around aging in Northern Colorado. Um, I've worked in the community um, in adult day programming and um, a lot of work with caregiving in dementia and a lot of work with dementia dyads and aging. And we have so many, um, I call them rock stars in our community doing really important and fantastic work around aging and, and being able to age um, in our communities of choice here in Northern Colorado. And so when I had an opportunity with a fellowship to put together a team, and so I just started asking people if they'd, they'd be interested in working with me. Um, and several uh, people have kind of, uh, we worked together to look at what, what's needed in our communities and what areas or topics can we address that might make our community a better place to age um, for, um, our community members and what does that look like and, and how do we do that? And um, so in I'm doing a postdoc with Dr. James Graham in the Center for Community Partnerships here in the CSUOT department. So I got an opportunity to really extend this work. And um, right now, some of the big projects we're working on with this community engaged research team is looking at social isolation. And um, one of the key partners on this team and really the, the group driving this work, this is community engaged work. I'm here to help support community nonprofits here, but I'm also a part of partnerships for age-friendly communities in Larimer County. So this is a group that fosters kind of grassroots solutions 
um, to the challenges of a growing population of older adults in Larimer County. So um, I've had the honor to serve on the health and wellness priority group under Paula Stearns and the executive director, Lori McLeod. We've really done a lot of work on um, looking at social isolation and PAFC is what I'll call them, really started their work before uh, the pandemic in looking at social isolation and looking at how we can connect people to their communities in really meaningful ways. And then when the pandemic hit, as we know, it really highlighted the, the needs around addressing social isolation and loneliness. And so um, PAFC really took the reins on this and started um, doing work and writing grants and, and getting some CARE Act dollars. And now we have um, a grant through Next 50 initiative to um, address social isolation in our community. And um, so, as I said, this work kind of started um, towards the very beginnings of COVID um, in addressing social isolation among older adults and putting together a community action plan for Larimer County. Um, and that work was led by PAFC and working with, we had over 80 stakeholders and um, a variety of older adults looking at what social isolation looks like in our communities and what we may do as a community to work together to address those, those issues and to connect people. And um, out of that, we kind of came up with, from talking with other people, three kind of uh, priority areas. So people were interested in connecting through technology. I think, you know, um, one of the things that came out of the pandemic is kind of this introduction to technology to a group of people that might not have been as familiar with or as comfortable with technology, me included. And um, how can we leverage that? Um, both, you know, it, it created barriers in terms of, of looking at access to technology and, and utilization and ability to use technology easily and integrate it into our everyday lives and that expectation. Um, but it also created opportunities to connect in ways that we did not have before the pandemic. And so um, it's been really interesting to kind of navigate that and work through that um, with individuals. And then um, also screening and referral services. How do we identify people that are socially isolated? And you know that that's the, the key question. How do you you reach people that aren't reaching out? And you know how do you identify people and how do you connect? And how do you get them to connect it if they're interested um, in extra supports and services? And then the third priority area was transforming public views and really raising awareness about social isolation and reducing stigma around maybe feeling socially isolated and not wanting to reach out or, or feeling like, you know, there, there's something wrong with you in, in that you don't have this kind of community that you can connect with. And so those were the priority areas that kind of came out of PAFC's work in looking at what social isolation looks like in our community and what are some of the needs that we can start to try and address um, as we look at social isolation. Um, and loneliness. Wow, you, you've given all of us a lot to think about there. That, that was, first of all, I just think the initiative itself is so cool to identify 
that you, your community, and granted, this could really be all of our communities, right? Yes. But mm-hmm. your community saw a need and mobilized collaborative possibilities at their very best to take on the issue head on. So as I'm reflecting on everything you said, have you seen movement in the areas that you've just identified and has the needle actually moved forward in helping to mitigate some of the social isolation issues that Northern Colorado is experiencing? Yes, so the, the, the exciting part about this is not only, like I said, it's community engaged, you know, we're really here, the community is driving this work. Um, I'm here to support and however I can as a part of the community and then also to add any kind of additional support I can through the university. So this is, is really an effort by the community for the community. And what I think, why that's important is that's how you, you see these changes. Um, happen in, I think, uh, maybe a more effective and efficient way. So in, in some of the priorities, so connecting through technology is one of the areas that we've really seen a lot of growth. And we have a, a fantastic a virtual gateways catalog and a great team of volunteers through PAFC that um, really, as you mentioned earlier, we're just learning as we go, right, with this technology piece. But they really put together and and shifted into this virtual space during the pandemic um, to offer resources and ways that people could stay connected to their communities. And um, we've gotten a lot of really uh, spectacular kind of involvement with that and engagement in our community in those kind of efforts and connecting people to different things in the community. Um, And then um, they've also had some Zoom projects and connecting people with the actual technology, and then now setting up tech buddies and having ongoing support. Because as you as you know, once you get get a piece of technology, sometimes you might know how things work until something goes wrong. So it what was happening is even if people were able to access technology, their ongoing use was really determined by how much ongoing kind of support they had to use that technology. And if if support wasn't there, um, likely something, you know, would go wrong or they wouldn't be able, you know, something would happen that they weren't able to use the technology as they um, had intended to use it. And then, so they would just stop using it. And um, so PAFC has um, connected tech buddies with people um, that would like assistance and ongoing support of that. So that's a great program. So we are seeing people more engaged in that virtual space. Um, The other thing, our Next 50 initiative grant funding is going towards a virtual volunteer program. So one of the things identified um, in that action plan was more opportunities to connect virtually including volunteer opportunities. And we all know um, kind of the the positive health benefits of volunteering, kind of that altruistic piece of of giving back, having skills and being able to do something in your communities that you feel good about and gives purpose and and meaning um, to how you spend your time. And, And so we've are in the process of um, putting together a virtual volunteer project that really um, uses this idea that 
people want to volunteer, and then they want also to have now virtual volunteer opportunities. Again, this has opened up this virtual world. And so this actually creates opportunities to volunteer that maybe people had barriers to volunteering before based on location, physical limitations. Um, maybe, you know, maybe they just didn't feel um, like there, there was a spot for them. There was some barrier to them volunteering, but they, they wanted to volunteer. So um, connecting people virtually um, has given people an opportunity to continue volunteering during a pandemic when it may not be as safe or they just may not feel as comfortable. Um, and also some of the physical volunteer opportunities weren't there during the pandemic. And some of those are coming back and some aren't. So, so what does volunteering look like now? And um, we know there's, there's a need and a desire for volunteers and then using that as a platform to not only connect with other people potentially, that might be social isolated, but for us ourselves as the volunteers to combat social isolation um, just through doing and, and doing volunteer service and connecting to communities um, in those type of meaningful ways that uh, may not have been available without a virtual component. Well, I, I love all the action I'm hearing from what you've just articulated. And I'm wondering if there's been any thought or, and, or if you've had requests from other outside communities to replicate the template that you all have established. And if not, are there plans to replicate it? Yes. So um, this is, we just finished um, the plan last year for this one year plan for implementation. Um, so we're fairly new in the process, but the plan is, yes, piloting some of these ideas on how to act on, you know, you, you know, you, we had so, so much great input and we really tried to really be deliberate and intentional about um, kind of focusing in on some areas that we could really, yeah, put some action to and we could really make some difference now. And so as we go through that and we're doing some of these pilot projects, um, but like I said, some have been really successful and, and we do want to set up some frameworks and um, figure out, yeah, what does this look like for us? How does it work? And then share that and um, widen that to, you know, some of this is Larimer County based due to funding, but then some of it could be extended to either Northern Colorado or Colorado as a whole, or then and potentially other organizations throughout the United States that would like to implement some type of plan in, in just looking at this whole process from how we did our action plan, how we got to our action plan, I think was a really meaningful way to do it. And I think that will have um, great impact on the success of, of what we're be able to do in this kind of community engaged approach. Um, but yeah, set a model and a framework for how do you do this in your community? Um, this is how we've done it. And this is what we've found successful. Here were our challenges, here were our successes and um, use that for continued learning and growth for us, but also to share that with other communities um, because social isolation and loneliness is a, is, um, a huge, huge issue and has very, very high risks um, for negative 
um, mental and physical well-being in all communities. Um, and so this is something that we feel very strong about, you know, trying to figure out pieces that work for us, but also generally. I'm actually really excited about the possibility that this could be replicated. Um, yes. Because it is, it's just really, it's a very, very troubling issue right now. And I think, mm-hmm. um, you know, the pandemic, if nothing else, underscored how many of us out there at one point or another, or even now, are feeling mm-hmm. some of these isolation and, and loneliness type issues. And that said, what would you say to any of our listeners out there today that are experiencing social isolation right now? What are some of the most immediate steps they can take to start helping themselves? Mm-hmm. I think that, you know, the, the biggest thing is connection, you know, um, connect, you know, at our human core, we're wired to connect. And that means a lot of different things for, for everyone. And right. And, and, you know, social isolation doesn't necessarily lead to loneliness, you know? Um, so we're really talking about the people that are experiencing um, a disconnection that, that, you know, impacts their mental or physical well-being, you know? And so I would say, you know, if you are in most of us, you know, feel something like that at some time, right? Absolutely. And, um, and they're really saying, you know, there's about a third of, of the population um, in general, but specifically for older adults, um, well, over uh, about 45, 50 up, about a third are experiencing significant loneliness that it impacts their daily functioning. That's huge. That's a very high number. That's a very high number. And at, that impacts all of these other health conditions and can lead to increased mortality. You know, um, and they've really shown that, that this kind of social isolation and loneliness is worse than smoking a pack of cigarettes a day. It's worse than um, being obese. And so we really, I think that the keys are reaching out, connecting, figuring out what, what would be meaningful. What is a meaningful connection for you? Um, what is something that you care about? And is there a way to connect to that? Because for, for a lot of people, maybe it's a connection, a social connection to a person, um, but it also could be connecting to a community. It could be giving back to your community during through volunteering or something like that. Um, but you know, finding a way, some way um, to connect with others or things that you find meaningful in your life um, and also doing, you know, um, really doing things that are meaningful in your life and really just putting in that effort to connect, um, do things, um, get out there. And, you know, uh, there's still some concerns with the pandemic, um, but are there little ways that maybe you could take a walk around your block, um, wave to a neighbor, you know, get yourself out there again, because I think the pandemic, the other thing it showcased it, it really showcased this issue of social isolation and loneliness, but it also uh, created this space where we got used to not doing. We got used to not connecting as much as we would in ways that we wouldn't even really consider because we didn't have to try. So um, it did curtail some of those just normal everyday activities of us living our lives and being in our communities. And I think for some of us, we have to really be deliberate about putting ourselves back out there and doing stuff again, because we got very used to not doing and reach out. 
again, I mentioned that, you know, uh, transform public views priority area, what we really found is there's kind of a stigma or, you know, people are like, oh, I don't want to bother anybody or, you know, I, you know, that's not really for me. I, you know, I'm okay. Um, you know, getting over that, those feelings and that stigma of, you know, being alone and um, knowing that you do have something to offer. Um, so reach out, reach out for support, reach out to, to other people, um, connect to these, you know, all of our communities in Colorado have these just amazing organizations and that are doing really cool things. Um, find something that's important to you. Um, if you feel like you need a little extra support um, in your mental health, you know, um, reach out for counseling, reach out to support groups and those kind of things. Again, that plays into that, that stigma where we feel like we just have to figure it out ourselves and do it alone. Um, but that only makes things worse. That only makes the problem bigger. Look out for other people. How are other people that you may have seen before the pandemic, but now you don't have those naturally built kind of interactions in your everyday? You know, reach out to those folks, see how they're doing. You know, um, find ways that if you're someone that maybe would be more willing to take those initial steps, include other people that may be feeling about a little isolated or lonely um, and talk about it, have those conversations. And again, remove that stigma, have those conversations, reach out to people in your lives. Um, Cause then it, you know, it goes both ways. You'll both benefit um, from that interaction. So I think those are some of the immediate things that, that people um, can do. so grateful for you sharing your humanity today, Dr. Julie. I just, you know, a couple of things I was thinking about. Um, number one, the word deliberate that you've used in our conversation today. I, for me, have actually had to relearn going out into the world. I actually had yeah. to actively relearn it. Mm -hmm. And I was very caught off guard and surprised by that feeling. But when the world started opening up again, I had some fear. Like it was almost like I've got to learn to be brave again, to put myself out there just, and you had said in normal everyday activities that we were so used to doing before the pandemic. And suddenly mm -hmm. I'm having to be deliberate about doing them and relearning how to kind of put my game face on, so to speak, to go outside the comfort of my home into the world at large. And it is just trusting yourself to try it again to go out and find the connections, to find the purpose, to be active, all of those things that you so eloquently articulated. And I'm just really grateful that you shared them with us today. I just want to make sure that I give you the opportunity to talk about anything that's burning on your soul today, if you have anything lingering. Well, what made me think, I thought of something as you, as you just mentioned that, um, is also the, the feelings of going back out into the world um, has also caused a lot of anxiety. You know, it's very overwhelming to kind of get back into, for lots of people, probably not everyone, but for lots of us, even like you said, just that act of, of going out, back out into the world, um, driving, um, being in a grocery store, 
those things, um, you know, can be very overwhelming when you haven't done them for a year, year and a half. Um, so I would encourage people to, to also stick with it because, you know, social isolation and loneliness really have a, a huge impact on depression and anxiety and those things. And even though this is also kind of overwhelming and can give you some anxiety, um, this is just a practice. And it's just something that, that we will have to continue doing to get back into the habit of. And, you know, take note because our doing is going to look different now and that's okay. And um, we can choose kind of, of keeping those kind of positive aspects and things and then, you know, determining what is really important to us and just keep, you know, trying to put ourselves out there um, because it is really overwhelming to get back to doing after a pandemic and to get out of your house and um, to engage in your life. Um, or to have people, for some people that are more homebound, to have people returning to your home um, in, in those types of things, um, or different services, reconnecting to services and, and making sure you're, you're getting your needs met and reconnecting with those services. You know, um, it can be a lot and it can be overwhelming, but again, put, you know, it's, it's a practice and it'll take some time, um, but being sure then you're reaching out for help. Um, and support if you need it. I want to thank our special guest today, Dr. Julie Silver Seidel, whose time and effort to participate, to lead, to be a key component in her community's community collaborative is truly inspirational as is the role that Partnership for Age-Friendly Communities in Larimer County plays as a collaborative leader. It's really awe-inspiring, and it's a reminder to all of us that the by-community, for-community model can be so integral in addressing in a positive way a community's issues, even those issues as critical as mental wellness. And I encourage listeners out there today who are inspired to act, who feel compelled to engage, pursue community engagement, community collaboration as a way in which to do so. You won't be disappointed as Dr. Julie has shown us. And I also encourage you to look at Experience Engaged as an outlet for which to do so. We have wonderful programming, some of which is directly connected to mental wellness, for you to be an engaged community citizen, for you to take an active role in addressing these types of issues that can afflict our community's collective well-being. We are at experienceengaged.org. Feel free to, to check us out. And thank you for listening. I am always so grateful for the time you take to join us and just appreciate you. Until next time, whatever you do, be sure and make it count and be well. This has been a production of Experience Engaged. <music>